the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. In other words, if you're praying, you're lifting your mind and heart to God, which means you're subordinating your mind to God and submitting it to Him. And that they don't like. It invokes the most powerful of all saints, Our Lady. It is the pious tradition of the Church that Our Lady's state of grace is so excelling that it is greater than all of the other saints combined. That's how high she is in the hierarchy of things. Obviously, if she's the mediator of all grace and you're receiving grace as a result, the cause is always greater than the effect. It's a philosophical principle. The cause is always greater than the effect. So if she's the mediator of grace and you're receiving it from her, she has to be greater. So this is one of the things that's quite important. The very prayers of the rosary drive Satan and the demons out. They can't stand them. Just, the, just, just even the mention or even the... Uh, Calling of Our Lady is enough to, you know, say, okay, it's time to get out of here. We read, if you're in the Legion of Mary, we read in the um, Legion prayers, Who is she that cometh forth in the morning's rising, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, terrible as an army set in battle array? Mary is the destroyer of Satan. In fact, she is his nemesis. Hey there, welcome back to Catholic with a Zen mind. <clears throat> so I'm going to skip the usual thing I say here, <laughs> because all we're doing here on this episode is a bonus episode. This is a talk from the prominent exorcist within the Catholic Church, Father Chad Ripberger. If you've never he- heard of Father Chad Ripberger, he's, he's very, very... Uh, prominent, very famous, well-respected exorcist in the Catholic Church. He's written many books on many topics, all about demonology, spiritual warfare, uh, personal testimonies about exorcisms and certain things like that. Severely interesting stuff. I really wanted to put these talks in the last episode, but I figured I would end up running on making that episode too long because I had so many other stories to tell. So I'll do what I did last time with the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen episode and I will just upload this as a bonus episode all on its own. So we have two talks from Father Chad Ripberger. I hope you enjoy And remember, if you haven't listened to the previous episode about the spiritual weapon, go listen to that one next. And I'm going to not do the usual outro like last time. So if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash jmartin, Catholic Zen Mind. You can follow me on Twitter at Catholic underscore mind you can find me on YouTube but I don't have any videos yet it's a problem I'm looking to solve 
But you can find me on YouTube. You can either click the link in the show notes or you can search Catholic with a Zen Mind or you can just email me. CatholicZenMind at yahoo.com. So without further ado, Father Chad Ripberger on the Most Holy Rosary. Enjoy, everybody. Religion pure and undefiled before God the Father is, keep oneself unspotted from this world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is a saying in Latin, regard to Our Lady, there is, you can never say enough. And there is always kind of a, whenever I find um, other priests preach, and even when I myself preach about Our Lady, it seems to always be a little bit flat in comparison to the wonder and the magnificence of the mysteries that pertain to Our Lady and Our Lady herself. There are 15 promises in relationship to the Rosary when you're talking about one of the greatest mysteries, that is the power which God has set up for the Rosary to have. And there are 15 promises which manifest the power which it has. And we won't go into all of them, but just a few. One of them is, whoever shall faithfully serve me by the recitation of the Rosary shall receive signal graces. Well, what are signal graces? Signal graces are little signs here and there, and God um, manifests them, and then in your intellect, he gives you a grace to see that there is some sign from our Lord that, or from our Lady that this particular thing is happening. And this is quite important, particularly for those who are trying to discern God's will for them, that if they're praying the rosary consistently, our Lady will send these signal graces to them so they can see what God's will is. Another one is that our rosary shall be a powerful armor against hell, and it will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. So that it's such a powerful weapon. Historically, there's been entire heresies wiped out by it. There have been um, cases in where battles were won on the battlefield by it. It's very powerful. It will cause virtue and good works to flourish. When we wonder why things are so bad in the church, well, part of the reason is because very few people are praying the rosary, and so good isn't flourishing in the church. It will obtain for souls the abundant mercy of God, and it will withdraw the hearts of people from the love of the world and its vanities, and it will lift them to the desire of eternal things. And this is quite important because by means of the meditation, the person reflects on God. The mind and the heart is turned towards God through this instrument, this ro- the rosary. And so, as a result, their mind is turned away from the world into eternal things. If they do it consistently, then it becomes a habit, and the habit tends to affect their whole way of thinking. The soul which recommends itself to me, that is to Our Lady, by the recitation of the rosary, shall not perish or die an unprovided for death. So, she always provides for the death of the person. They'll always receive the sufficient graces at the, at the time um, they'll never suffer a death in which there were not sufficient graces in order to save them. Or without the sacraments, that is, the person may die, may not die without the sacraments. And the or is disjunctive. It doesn't mean that we're always going to have the sacraments available to our death at a time of our death. It just means that we will never be provided for at the time of our death so that we can make sure that we get into heaven. It is a sign of predestination. 
Now it seems to me that if anybody has any sense of servile fear, or servile fear is the type of fear in which we have that we don't want to be punished by God for something, if anyone has any sense of servile fear that is the damnation that can come from our own sins, then praying the rosary in and of itself would bring great hope because it would be a sign of destination. The person can gain hope by saying the rosary, knowing, well, if I keep saying this, then this will be a sign that God is going to save me, that Our Lady is going to save me. And it would also, uh, a person who says it regularly, can become worthy of eternal life. She also says that you shall, obtain, you shall obtain all you ask of me by the recitation of the rosary. I mentioned before that you have, that sometimes God preordains that a certain amount has to be said, in a certain amount of prayers, a certain amount of sufferings and penances, in order for the person to achieve the goal that God wants them, in order for him to grant the graces or the gift that he is going to give them. Our rosary is a very powerful means to achieve that end very quickly. And so the more rosaries we say in relationship to something, the more quickly we'll be able to obtain these things. And all those who propagate the Holy Rosary shall be aided by me in their necessities. And so it's always good to help other people to come to knowledge of the rosary, to pray it, so that God will provide, that Our Lady will provide in our necessities. Some of the blessings of the rosary include that sinners are forgiven, Sometimes people who suffer from sins that they've committed in the past that really troubles them, very often I'll say, you know, if you can take up the rosary, then the sins will be forgiven, of course, and then over the course of time, a certain um, light lifting of the burden of your past sins will occur. This is also why one of the benefits of the rosary is it purifies our souls and washes away our sins. Souls that thirst will be refreshed. And what this means is that as a person becomes holier, there becomes a stronger and a, a strong craving for God and for the next life. And those who say the rosary will have that craving somewhat sated in this life. Those who are fettered will have their bonds broken. So those who feel like they're under some oppression or there's something that's just burdening them, this will be lightened. Those who weep shall find happiness, and those who are tempted shall find peace. The poor will find help. Religious are reformed. Boy, we need that one today. Again, one of the principal reasons why religious orders and the clergy and the situation in the church is so deplorable is because people aren't saying the rosary enough. Those who are ignorant will be instructed, and the living uh, shall learn to overcome their pride. So if you're suffering from pride, pray the rosary consistently and with devotion to the degree that you can, and you will get graces for it. The dead, that is the holy souls of purgatory, have their pains eased by suffrage, that is by, these, um, by, the, by the rosary. So if you pray the rosary for those who are in purgatory, it will ease their pain. It gradually gives us a perfect knowledge of Jesus Christ, and it gives us victory over all our enemies. So it's a very powerful weapon if we're finding, for instance, someone at work is very difficult, or there's people in our lives that are very painful and difficult, then praying the rosary for them um, will help us to overcome their imperfections so that they, we can lead, pe lead peaceful lives with them. It makes it easier for, for us to practice virtue. You've heard me talk a lot about virtue this last weekend, and that's because sanctified perfection consists in excellence and grace, because we have a lot of sanctifying grace, and the adornment of the souls of all the virtues. And if people say the rosary consistently, they'll find that the virtues, the acting virtuous, will just kind of come on its own. It sets us on fire with the love of God and enriches us with graces and merits. It supplies us with what is needed to pay all our debts to God and to obtain and to our fellow men. So when we sin against other people, we can make reparation for them, to the sin that we've committed against them by praying the rosary for them. And also we can make reparation to God for them because it's a powerful thing. God has endowed it with an ability to make um, great reparation. And finally, obtains for all kinds of graces for us from Almighty God. Since Our Lady is the mediatrix of all graces, and this is her principal sacramental in relationship to her, uh, at least that's the perception, that it is her principal uh, sacramental, those who say it devoutly and say it with the love of Our Lady will receive, she'll shower them with graces because they use this in a loving way which she wants us to so that we, she can lead us to heaven. Some fail to get the rosary in every day, but we must realize it is one of the principal means of growing in holiness and in saving our souls. While, of course, the sacraments are the ordinary means by which we save our souls and grow in grace, nevertheless, 
the rosary is a very powerful means by which we can save our soul. Obviously, if it's a sign of predestination, then it, it must in itself be a powerful weapon and must be a powerful means by which we can save our souls. And in the end, everything we've talked about this weekend is ordered to that end. Therefore, say the rosary daily, say it devoutly, and Our Lady will welcome you into heaven. Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Queen of the Holy Rosary. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We know from what the Church teaches and from our own personal experience that we are at war. Uh, talking about the war over in now in Libya and Iran, etc. But a spiritual war that not only encompasses our interior lives, where we have to fight the adversary daily through normal temptation, but we must fight him exterior. For all, we all know that the world is sinking into ruin. It doesn't take too much to take a look at how this thing is slowly going down on, on virtually every level: morally, spiritually, financially, socially, uh, politically, etc. <clears throat> And we see that it's, it's sinking into the hands and the domination of the prince of this world. In order that we ourselves do not succumb in this battle, we need weapons, obviously, in order to be able to fight that. Obviously, in order to make use of the rosary as a weapon, we must be in the state of grace and firm in our faith. And there's a reason for that. The saints tell us, and of course the church also tells us, that none of the sacramentals have any efficacy on the side of the individual using them if they don't have faith in them. The second thing is, is that you have to be in the state of grace in order for your prayer to merit anything. And that's a very important point. There's two, there's a common misperception that if I do a good thing, God will reward me. That's not true. That is simply not true. The good work that you do is only meritorious in the eyes of God. That is, it's deserving something from God who's infinite if you are participating in his nature in some way, and that's what we call grace, that St. Paul says. So unless you're in the state of grace, you can't merit anything from God. So all these people in the state of mortal sin doing these good works, they're not meriting anything in the side, on the side of heaven. Now, their, their works can have naturally natural good effects, but to actually beget merit in the eyes of God doesn't help much. And here's the thing. When it comes to the spiritual warfare, merit is practically everything. Not all of it, but it's practically everything. So how holy you are determines how powerful your prayers are in waging the spiritual warfare. So this is one of the reasons why it's so important to become holy. People say, well, what's holiness? Sanctified perfection is defined as excellence in grace. So in other words, you have a lot of it. And the adornment of the soul of all of the virtues. This is one of the reasons why it's a common misperception that the spiritual life is just flowery and wonderful. It's not it at all. The minute you start becoming holy, the first thing God does is make your life miserable. And he does that for a reason. He has to start stripping you of seeking after the consolations. If you're doing prayers for the consolation, you have a natural motive, and you're not doing it for his sake. You're doing it for your own. And so that slowly has to be stripped of it. Well, the point is in all of this is you become holier. The efficacy of your rosaries, as you say them, will increase significantly. These two realities, that is the rosary and then our firm faith and grace, are the bulwark of our defense. And the rosary is among the most powerful weapons laid in our hands by Our Lady. I don't buy all this modernist nonsense and historical revisionism, which says that, well, we're not really sure St. Dominic got the rosary from our late, that's just garbage. We have known from the tradition all along, she gave it to him, she gave it in this form, and we know what it is. So it's not rocket science, it's just, a lot of it is because the, some of the modern theologians, did, you know, who themselves don't particularly care for Our Lady, wanted to poo-poo it. We know that the rosary will be a very efficacious prayer if for no other reason than there is a reference to it even scripturally. Most people are unaware of this. It's kind of a remote reference, but it's still there. We read in John 21.6, 
Quote, he saith to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it. For the multitude of fishes, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, 153. And, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. <clears throat> what, we mean, what we understand in this passage is, is that the 153 is the number of Hail Marys in a full 15-decade rosary. The three for, um, in the beginning for faith, hope, and charity, and then the rest of the 15. Maybe at another time, not necessarily now, you can ask me um, <clears throat> some questions about the Luminous Mysteries. But here we're just talking about, historically, that was the reason why there was 153 fish named specifically. They weren't able to draw it in, which indicates that the rosary is something greater and stronger than those who use it. And it indicates that the efficacy of the rosary as a net in order to bring in sinners, as well as to conquer enemies, that is, it can bind them and restrict them so they can't hurt you, they can't affect other people, that type of thing. Among the 15 promises of the rosary find that the rosary shall be a, a powerful armor against hell. In fact, Padre Pio said ro the rosary is the weapon, not a weapon, but the weapon to use in spiritual combat. Now, that doesn't mean that there are, I mean, obviously the, the sacraments and things like that would take precedence over this, but here he's talking about Specifically, if you're, using, if you're talking about things which the lay people can do themselves without the need for a priest and things of that sort. It's founded on the devotion to Mary. And we know from Scripture that Mary shall crush his head. It promotes a life of meditation. And this is quite important. Sometimes people will go to exorcists and they'll just say, you know, that the demons are afflicting me and that type of thing. And they're, I'm, you know, I'm being bombarded with thoughts. Well, the way to break that is through meditation. Because as you meditate, the demons can't stand what they see in your imagination. They'll bail out. They'll try and avoid it. And they can't stand an imagination that's properly subdued through the habit of prayer. <coughs> and this, so it blocks them from being able to affect our intellects. And they hate an imagination also that is subordinated to God. In other words, if you're praying, you're lifting your mind and heart to God, which means you're subordinating your mind to God and submitting it to him, and that they don't like. It invokes the most powerful of all saints, Our Lady. It is the pious tradition of the Church that Our Lady's state of grace is so excelling that it is greater than all of the other saints combined. That's how high she is in the hierarchy of things. Obviously, if she's the mediatrix of all grace and you're receiving grace as a result, the cause is always greater than the effect. It's a philosophical principle. The cause is always greater than the effect. So if she's the mediatrix of grace and you're receiving it from it, she has to be greater. So this is one of the things that's quite important. The very prayers of the rosary drive Satan and the demons out. They can't stand them. Just, the, just, just even the mention or even the uh, calling of Our Lady is enough to, you know, say, okay, it's time to get out of here. We read, if you're in the Legion of Mary, we read in the um, Legion prayers, Who is she that cometh forth in the morning's rising, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, terrible as an army set in battle array? Mary is the destroyer of Satan. In fact, she is his nemesis. Every demon has a nemesis. So... You'll find, um, for example, the nemesis of Beelzebub, who's the spirit of impurity, is the Immaculate Conception uh, or the, and the Immaculate Heart because of her purity. So they, each, each demon has an actual nemesis. And once you can find out who it are, you can get quite a distance with them in finding out who that nemesis is. But the nemesis to Satan is Our Lady because she took his place in heaven, but so much so that even had he not fallen, she still would have so far excelled even him. And that's what he wouldn't submit to. St. Um, Louis Marie Ronfort tells us. He would not submit to her, and he couldn't stand the fact that she was going to be this powerful. Uh, she is also the destroyer of his minions, his kingdom. She lays waste to their activities, renders them impotent, incapacitates them, instills fear in them just at the thought of her, just when they hear about her. And therefore, her rosary will do the same. But it requires something. It requires devotion. You can't do it mechanically. 
And the demons will try and get you to do it mechanically because if they do that, they've already removed the power that it's being that that actually ends up it ends up having. The rosary will destroy vice and decrease sin. We are told by the saints. It has been said that if a person devoutly, and that's the key, devoutly, again, not just mechanically and not just doing it because you've got to get it in for the year to see if this works, but if you do say the rosary devoutly every single day for a year, if the person is committing mortal sin, he will either give up the sin or give up the rosary. In other words, it's one of the greatest, most powerful weapons in conquering vice and sin. As a form of meditation, it helps to purify the mind. Now, tomorrow I'm going to talk about there's three kinds of purity. The second kind of purity is purity of mind. We're not talking just about in the, in the context of things that pertain to the ninth commandment, but in all aspects of our spiritual life. It provides special graces which help us to overcome our vice and decrease our sin. As an armor against Satan and his minions, it keeps away the forms of temptation. And in this sense, it's a means of overcoming temptation. It's a means of conquering it. I'll talk about part of the reason why that is in just a minute. It defeats heresies. The reason the rosary was originally given to St. Dominic was for the express purpose of finally crushing the Albigensian heresy. That's why it was given. No one... Right now, we are laboring under a heresy called modernism, which Pius X calls the synthesis of all, of all heresies. And how do you know we're laboring under that? Just go to any Catholic church. You'll, you can line 50 people up and say, do you believe in this? No. And the next guy says yes. And the next one says, well, sometimes. And you, don't, you go down the litany. And there's not a single doctrine of the church that somebody in the, in the church won't deny and other people will accept, right? Which is, that's the synthesis of all heresies. And the modernism... The root of modernism is what they call imitatism. It's where you make yourself, your feelings, your own interior life, the judgment of whether something is true or not, rather than the reality itself. Which is why the church has always said, part of the way you destroy modernism is getting back to sound philosophy, that really truth is adhering our mind to reality, not in how we feel. And this is something that's quite important when you're praying. If you're praying because you basically do it because you feel good, you're, you're just a modernist. And this is one of the reasons that I, a lot of times people come and they'll say, well, I started meditating, but it was hard, so I gave up. Well, okay, so what you're telling me is it's your feelings that really are determining how you're behaving in relationship to God, which is not the way God speaks to us. He doesn't speak to us through our feelings. I know you've probably heard that a hundred million times. But the fact of the matter is he doesn't speak to us through our emotions. He speaks to us through our intellect, it's called faith, and through our heart, it's called charity, and the various gifts of the Holy Ghost, that's where he does it, in, the, in our intellect, in our heart, that is the will. That's where he speaks to us. All of the gifts of the Holy Ghost are in the, uh, or the Holy Spirit are in the intellect or the will, not in the emotions. We have to subordinate those through virtue. And the other reason, too, is, is that, you remember when I said God makes your life miserable? It's because you have to be purified. Your will has to be tested and proven. You have to, it takes a long time to root out sin. And sin, when you pull the roots out, it's brutal. I mean, all you have to do is look at somebody who has some kind of an addiction and see as they're trying to break their vices how brutal of a process it is. It's the same thing with our other sins. And here's the, here's the kicker. Our sins are rooted so absolutely deeply in our souls when we commit them that even after we ask for forgiveness, the defects from that sin remain. That's why we have the temporal punishment due to sin. That's why you've got to spend time in purgatory to get purified of these things. But that's also why there's two stages of the interior life. Well, there's three, but there's the, the first one is broken down. It's called the purgative way. It's broken down into two parts. The active purgative way It's where you purify yourself to the degree that you can. But our sin is so rooted that God himself has to come in and start ripping it out. And that's the passive purgative way, and that's pretty intense. The saints talk about there's darkness, there's hard time in dealing with it, but that's a sign that we cannot, you cannot judge where you're at in the spiritual life about how you feel. The person going through the passive purgative way feels like trash all the time, but they're closer to God than any of us who might feel better about our spiritual lives. So you can't make that the judgment yourself. So... Why, is the, why am I talking about this in the context of the rosary? Because the rosary will drag you outside of yourself. 
Our Lady is called the conqueress of all heresy. That means she is the one that has to conquer modernism ultimately. Whether it be through grace or what have you, but she's the one because modernism is the synthesis of all heresies. And so nobody can say the rosary any length of time and be a modernist. In fact, usually if they're modernist, one of the first things they kick out is the rosary, which is always a bad sign. And this is something that's quite important because the only one who can conquer this, aside from God, is Our Lady. The rosary is a great weapon against modernism in our own families. I mean, we see this all the time. Did you go to Mass? No, I didn't feel like it. Or I don't get anything out of that. She said, I don't get anything out of that. I said, what do you mean by getting out? Do you feel grace? Grace is something that exists in our soul. You can't feel it. So how do you know you're not getting anything out of it? And I think that's something that's quite important is, is that if you're, and this is one of the reasons why the rosary is so important because when people start saying the rosary, their lives start transforming because they're starting to realize that they themselves can't be the standard of judgment about whether something's good or not or bad or bad or good for them spiritually and etc. It has to be what the church has always taught. All of us are the same. We all have the same human nature. We all receive graces. We all go through the same steps of purgation. Now those steps might be a little bit different in each person's case, but we all have to go through purgation. Then we have to go through an illuminative stage where God starts stripping us even how we think about him. Not necessarily because it's wrong, but because it's disproportionate to him. And then he starts mystical contemplation in order to give us that knowledge to where we can continue pursuing. And then there's the unitive stage where he draws us and purifies our will through the last stages. You know, most people don't know this, but it is a fact. When Christ said, be perfect, it's attainable. He would not have said that if it wasn't attainable. And what that basically means is, is that there's, a, there's nine levels of prayer. The last level of prayer is called the transforming union. When you reach the transforming union, the person has already stopped even venially sinning and they've rooted out almost all of their imperfections. Some of the saints say that God will allow the persons um, not spiritual or moral imperfections, but their physical and other kinds of imperfections to remain so that they actually have to continue fighting and maintaining the virtue that they've attained through this process. The rosary is one of the fastest means to that, to that end. The, those who are fettered, spiritually, will have their bonds broken. There's a reason why it's called a vice. Now, vice actually means weakness, is what it really means. But it also, in English, of course, it has the connotation of clamping down and holding on to us, right? And this is one of the reasons why it's so important to break every single attachment to everything that's created. You know, when God said, uh, you shall love the Lord with your whole heart, he was being serious. He means that you are to love no created thing except for his sake. That's it. Now, you can't attain that. That's the perfection of charity. You can't attain that without perfect detachment from everything that's created. It doesn't mean you become indifferent and can care less what happens to your wife or something like that. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, is that you have to be able to let loose of them, focus purely on God, and then your motivation in relationship to your wife or your neighbor will become totally on fire and with the love of God. That's where perfection consists in. Anytime you have an attachment to anything, John of the Cross tells us, that means there's that much room in your, your heart that God can't take up. So, that being the case, it also, attachments are like the dog with the rag. You know, you stick the rag in front of the dog and he clamps down it, and then you can drag him anywhere you want, right? That's exactly what attachments are in relationship to spiritual warfare. If you're attached to anything, if you have any vice to anything, you can be drug around by that attachment and become uh, quite a problem to everybody else by the demons because they know what your attachments are, they'll motivate you to do that, and even through your attachments, they can make you think you're doing the best thing in the world, and that's just not the case. So it's through the rosary that this fetter that is the attachment that's being bound to this thing that, you know, I shouldn't be bound to, I should only be bound to God. Because in heaven, nobody has any attachments except to God. That's it. St. John of the Cross said it's so severe that you can't even have attachments to spiritual things other than God. You make use of them to get you closer to Him. 
like statuary and the consolations that come, you don't, those don't become your focus, they just become the means of getting closer to God. So the rosary is one of the primary means of breaking attachments and this bondage. It essentially means that those who are in spiritual bondage will find freedom through the rosary. And this applies not just to ourselves, but to those for whom we offer the rosary up for. In other words, we all know people in our lives who have serious issues in vice and in virtue, and they have no intellectual clarity. You pray the rosary for them. If you find that your children or those who are descending into spiritual bondage through mortal sin and worldliness, this is the weapon. This is the one you've got to use. And the families that pray it regularly, every single day, will find that doesn't mean that they're not going to be attacked in some degree or another, but they'll find that their children, generally speaking, will receive a lot more grace, and so the children will have a lot less difficulties. Those who are tempted will find peace, we are told. As was mentioned, the rosary is one of the most powerful weapons against temptation. Peace is defined as the tranquility of order. And when we're talking about spiritual peace, what we really mean by that is that the soul... Through charity, St. Thomas says, because one of the fruits of, the, of charity, the fruits of the Holy Ghost, which is when he resides in us, we have charity, is peace. And what that means is, is that charity is the one by which we love God and labor for the sake of God. So if you love God, the more you love God, the more your soul becomes ordered to God, and as a result, peace starts setting in. It's, you can't will peace. You know, I get a charge out of these bumper stickers that, you know, try peace or will peace. You're just like, that's not how it works. The way it works is you have to have right order, and then peace arises naturally out of that as an effect. And so in our own spiritual life, the rosary will give us a lot of peace if we're saying it consistently because it'll start ordering our lives more towards God, especially through the meditation of his, of his mysteries and those types of things. The benefits of the rosary? Well, as I mentioned, it purifies our souls by washing away sin. There are three sources of temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all three hinge upon the flesh. For the devil can do nothing except acting upon the flesh, that is to try and get us tempted, and the world can only move the flesh. Essentially what this means is that your greatest enemy, the one that you have to conquer and overcome, even more than the devil, is yourself. That's the thing that you have to conquer. For you are the one who keeps choosing evil. You're the one who keeps increasing your vices by the sins you commit. You're the one who keeps making your soul a mess. One of the aspects of uh, Ignatian spirituality is that they, they get you to realize that you're the problem. You're part of the problem here. You know, I think a lot of people, there's this one time, this one nun, I think it was either Padre Pio or John of the Cross, I can't remember who it was written to. The woman wrote and said, you know, I'd be a much holier nun if it wasn't for all the other nuns in the convent. <laughs> and he wrote back and says, oh, no. It's quite the contrary. It's their imperfections that become the means of your purification and sanctification. And so people are always trying to look, you know, if I just didn't have these things, I could get my spiritual life in order. That's just not how it works. Therefore, one of the primary benefits of the rosary is to help you to purify your soul uh, and get it washed so that, so that you, your sin isn't there and so you can start conquering yourself. It gives us victory over all our enemies. Now, anybody who studied history knows about the Battle of Lepanto, but for those of those who don't, and those who you do, we'll do it just to refresh here. One of the greatest of all rosary victories was the Battle of Lepanto. The Moslems, at the peak of their naval power in the Mediterranean, threatened to overrun Christian Europe. Pius V formed a league against them, and the Christian fleet was commanded by a good and holy Catholic. As early as September 17th, Pope Pius enjoined the recitation of the rosary on all Christendom for the success of the Christian arms. He had ordered all the churches to have the 40 hours devotions with public processions and recitation of the rosary. On the faithful October 7th, when they met, he himself spent the entire night in prayer. Before moving to the attack at Lepano, the Christian sailors devoutly recited the rosary while the papal legate gave the apostolic benediction to them. For three hours, the 65,000 men, all of whom had received Holy Communion that morning, continued to recite the rosary. Then on each ship, general absolution was given for the last time by one of the chaplains. By the way, that's one of the few times that general absolution is okay. Because you just don't have time to hear all the confessions. The attack began. The wind which had been against the Christians suddenly dropped. The battle raged until late in the afternoon when the Turks gave way. And the victory gave the naval power of the enemy a blow, which it never recovered, and ended their threat in Mediterranean Sea. 
When Our Lady appeared at Fatima, one of the things that she was telling people is you need to pray the rosary daily. You need to pray this. And I think there is a connection between Our Lady of Fatima and the Muslims. If you look at the picture or the, the statue of her, and when they saw her appear, she appeared standing on a crescent moon. The crescent moon is the symbol of the Muslims. She's going to be the one that's ultimately going to conquer them. And we need to pray to her for that reason. I would add the following to the powers of the rosary as a weapon against uh, what we face today. It teaches men to be men. Pray if they... For they have to conquer effeminacy. Now, what's effeminacy? Effeminacy, we're not talking about femininity. We're talking about effeminacy. Effeminacy is a vice, basically, but it's, it's where the, per, the person doesn't want to... Uh, they, pre, they, pre, they prefer or they choose their complacency or the pleasure of not doing anything over the arduousness of pursuing something that's difficult. So a guy who's feminine is the guy who won't work hard, or he'll avoid hard work, or he'll avoid you know, going into the military, although sometimes that's not necessarily legitimate. I'm not saying that you, oh, every man has to go into the military, or he'll avoid certain things. Well, let's face it. Prayer is one of the hardest things that anybody has to conquer in their spiritual life. It's the latter. It's the one in which you go up, you cannot attain perfection without it. It's, but it's at the same time, because it, you have to go up, it's hard. It's a, it's a thing. And so a lot of times you hear guys say, oh, I don't do that, that's for women. Uh-uh. I tell guys, you're not man enough to pray regularly. And it is, it's hard, it's something. And so the, what the re- results in this effeminacy is just a neglect of prayer. You know, it's just an excuse for them to neglect prayer. It teaches them by studying the mysteries of Christ what a real man is willing to sacrifice for the sake of those whom he loves. One of the principal aspects, every man is, to, is called as a man as such to provide and to protect, either his wife or for society or for, in the case of the priest, for the church. The providence, part of the providence, comes by means of sacrifice. And so what happens is, I'll talk a little bit about that, about St. Joseph. Why Our Lady of Sorrows plays such a key role in that whole sacrificial thing. But that sacrifice, the, the man has to go out and sacrifice himself to provide for the, uh, for the family. Now, women sacrifice in a different way, and I don't want to get into all of that, but it's just one of those things that if he is unsacrificial, if he's unwilling to sacrifice himself, if he's effeminate or selfish or what have you, then he is simply not going to provide for his family, spiritually especially. Because his obligation to provide and protect is not just physical or monetarily or economically or providing a home. It's primarily spiritual to protect them from the demonic, to provide for them by means of grace through his sacrifices, prayers, sufferings, and good works, and that type of thing. Well, guess what? Prayer is one of the primary ways that he provides for his family. And that means the rosary is one of the principal ways, if he develops a habit of saying it, is going to be one of the principal ways that he's going to provide grace for his family. He teaches women to be women. Who can meditate on the mysteries of Our Lady and not recognize the humility, the docility, the submissiveness to her husband? For instance, in the case of when St. Joseph said, okay, it's time to go to Egypt, you didn't hear Our Lady whining and complaining and telling him he was an idiot and he didn't know what he was doing. She did it. No question. And all those things exemplified the mystery, are exemplified in the mysteries of the rosaries. They're all hallmarks of the perfect woman. I'll just kind of make this side note just so we kind of clear the air. The submissive of a woman that the divine precept actually requires, it's actually part of the natural law, is not there for her subjugation. St. Thomas Aquinas makes the observation that women are in three states. The first is the state of subordination. When she was created, she was still placed under Adam because she was her helper, but the difference that St. Thomas says, but Adam looked after her and took care of her and loved her, etc. And so the submissiveness, there's a sweetness to it that she got from it. But then, after the sin, she enters into a state of subjection, where she's still under him, but he treats her like trash and doesn't take care of her, and her subjection becomes difficult and painful. In fact, it's one of the primary things she has to overcome in herself, that, to conquer herself, that type of thing. But he says, in heaven, women are neither in the state of subjection nor subordination because some women rule in heaven. 
Obviously, the most powerful person in heaven next to our Lord is a woman. So what that tells you is it doesn't matter what your state is in this life. It doesn't matter whether you have to be submissive to your husband, who's usually an idiot anyway. We all know that. It doesn't matter. What matters is what you attain in in perfection in relationship to that, because that's going to determine what you're in heaven. In heaven, it's not going to be the type of thing that God's going to say, you know, you weren't submissive to your husband, and that's a good thing, so you get a higher place in heaven. He's not going to say that. Because the lack of submissiveness is a lack of self-denial. Now, on the other hand, the man himself has to sacrifice himself continually for his wife, and then she'll be more likely to do his bidding. It teaches children to be two children of their parents, for who can meditate on Christ's submission when he, when he was lost in the temple to St. Joseph and to Our Lady and not recognize the obligation that we have towards our parents? It's good enough for God. It's good enough for you. If if Christ was God, he submitted, and he submitted to his parents. No child has an excuse to not being perfectly obedient and loving to his parents, provided the parents are not telling him to commit sin. The rosary is a strong weapon against the temptation of worldliness, which often besets children, and so the family that prays the rosary regularly at night can be assured of the defense that Our Lady will provide for the children as they grow older. The world is full of all sorts of alluring and delightful things, which drag people into sin very often. But unfortunately, it's very easy to be worldly today, especially when you know we have such a comfortable life. It is a fortress. The rosary is a fortress against the evil that is in the world and the constant temptation to get sucked into that evil. It is a great weapon against impurity. Every priest will tell you that impurity is causing the destruction of so many lives the tearing down of so many marriages, the wounding of so many souls. Let me back up just a bit. When I was first ordained a priest, the pornography wasn't that available on the Internet. You just didn't see it that often. I mean, it was there, but usually you had to have a kind of a tech-savvy guy or some guy that was kind of into that to pay much attention. Most guys who would confess and had to go down to the, to, the, to the store and buy it. And yes, it's primarily a problem with men more so than women, although that's starting to change too. By the way, there's a shift that's starting to occur. So you rarely hear it. You know, it's usually some guy who happens shameless and would go down and get it, right? But now that pornography is so easy, you can just sit on your computer and click. It's right there. It's off the charts. And so what's happening is, is that I'm seeing is it's destroying marriages because pornography is, uh, is infidelity in the heart. And a woman knows that. As soon as she finds out her husband's been unfaithful or vice versa in relationship to that spec, it destroys their trust. It destroys how they view the, how they view him. It lowers their estimation of him. It's going to make it extremely hard for her to be submissive to you. And so it's causing tremendous damage. It's wounding so many different souls. Now, a wound is something that we receive. It hurts. It's painful. But it also makes us weak. And every time a person sins, they weaken themselves. And so this is one of the reasons people come to me and say, you know, Father, I keep asking the Lord to give me chastity. And I'm, I'm going to confession regularly. I'm trying to do everything I can, but I keep getting temptations. Exactly. Because the way you grow strong is by saying no to it. And you have to keep doing that. And then by that, you get the habit of saying no, and then you have chastity. That's just part of it. But what happens is, is that it wounds people. Sins against chastity are, and purity are particularly weakening to people. And you see this especially with women who end up falling into impurities when they're younger and then they get older and they're just devastated from what it's done to their lives. And what it's done. And so very often it takes a long healing process to overcome that. It also renders people, the impurity renders people not just weak, but struggling and in pain and unhappy. I know of no woman or man who has said the rosary every day from the time of adolescence that has not been able to maintain purity. You've got to get your children saying it every day, and that means you have to say it. If you can get your children, if you can get your kids before they're 18 saying a daily rosary, if they maintain it, I guarantee you they will remain in the graces and arms of the church until the end of their life. We're all born into this spiritual battle. All of this is all, it's all a battle. And the, the battleground is our own flesh. This is one of the reasons why we have to, as St. Paul says, render it into subjection. We have to subdue it. So 
this is a spiritual battle. We have a choice. We don't have no choice over that. We have no choice. We were just all thrown into this spiritual warfare. The question is, is will we take up the arms which God has provided? Will we fight the battle? It's hard. It's going to be difficult. But if we do, and we do fight it, God has provided the weapons for it. The sacraments, the church, but also the rosary. And if a person does take up the battle, no warrior will be found without the rosary in his spiritual armament. You just simply won't find one that doesn't say the rosary daily if he's waging the war well. And if you'll kneel, I'll give you a blessing, although it might be a little bit hard, but if you can kneel, I'll give you a blessing. Benedicta Dei Omnipotentis Patris et Filii et Spiritus et et Semper. Amen. friends, it's Amanda. And if you love coffee as much as I do, and you're trying to manage your weight, I've got great news for you. There is a first to the market coffee that tastes amazing and can help you with your weight loss goals. Isn't that crazy? It's a French roast coffee, only 10 calories, and it will help keep you full for hours. It also has nootropics to boost your brain and improve your focus, and it is made from five plant-based sources of caffeine. I would love to give you more information. These results will blow you away. For more information, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. My name is Amanda Wurtz, W-U-E-R-T-Z. Thanks, guys. God bless. Hey, hey there, listeners. Are you enjoying the show? Do you want more content? If there was a way you could contribute financially to the show, might that interest you? Well, we've been working on that, and for now, we've got a way you can support the podcast. It's to buy CBD products from our affiliate link, which we'll put in the show notes. CTFO, that's Changing the Future Outcome. CTFO CBD is the fastest growing CBD company. Get excellent pricing on top quality organic hemp CBD products and support the podcast at the same time. According to the Harvard Health blog, CBD may help treat certain forms of childhood epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, chronic pain, arthritis, and may help to inhibit inflammatory and neuropathic pain. All 50 states have laws legalizing CBD with varying degrees of restriction, so check your local laws. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. The Prayer for Humility Lord God, we pray to you with all our hearts and soul that in your mercy you may deliver us from pride and grant us the inestimable gift of humility, that we may not follow the evil spirits in their pride to destruction, but Christ, the divine master of humility to sanctification. May God, in his goodness, grant us this now and forever.